Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Man, I'm stressed out watching that thing. <laughs> Aren't you? Woo. So, how many were stressed out before you got here today? Yes, yes. Bless you. I see those hands. Hey, we are, uh, we are, we're beginning a, a several-week series called Overload, Restoring Order to Overloaded Lives. And uh, we're going to be opening the Bible each week to see how God can help us uh, with this issue. And uh, we've given you a note sheet there on your bulletin. Grab a pen, get your Bibles. We're going to be kind of sprinting around through the Bible uh, today. Uh, but hopefully you can at least jot down the references and check, uh, check up on them. Uh, a little later, uh, welcome back, all you spring breakers. Hope you had a good, good trip. We had a we had a great time last uh, weekend on uh, Easter weekend while you were away, and prayed for all of you. And glad you had time away to refresh and um, and be with your family. And glad glad to see you all back. Well, we um, we woke up on May the fifth, two thousand. Uh, some of us early. And there was a love letter in our email. And when we opened it, it was a virus. And it infected uh, our files and began to send out the same uh, worm, the same virus to all these people uh, on our contact list. Uh, it was called the uh, I Love You Worm. And uh, it is one of the most famous viruses uh, so far in the brief history of the internet. It started uh, somewhere near Manila in the Philippines and moved westward onto Asia, onto Europe, into America within four hours, within four hours. It shut down Parliament in Great Britain. It shut down the House of Representatives here. It shut down many corporations, IT departments for, um, for uh, quite some time. Uh, those who study these things tell us that it infected in excess of 45 million computers. Uh, and so it would invade those computers and, and begin to uh, multiply itself uh, so quickly that it overloaded the systems and they crashed. You know, we're a lot like those computers. Uh, many of us are, are, we are overloaded in our lives and we are about to crash. Some of us have crashed. Some of us are in currently crashing. Some of us are going to crash if we don't do something uh, about it. I saw a survey by U.S. News and World Report that said uh, that we are working harder and longer than ever in the history of our country. I mean, we, we Americans seem to thrive on crazy hours and fast food and uh, high-tech energy. Um, I think the question legitimately comes, and I've, I've seen it in print as I did some research this week. Uh, I've even asked it myself, are we really, are we really overloaded or are we just wimpier? than the people who lived before us. I mean, are we, is it just our perception? Is it just our imagination? I mean, are we just not, are we just not made of the same stuff our grandparents were made of? 
Well, I think that's a good question, but if you look at the research, you'll find we are made of the same stuff our grandparents were made of, except they slept two and a half hours longer a night than we do. Uh, You're sleeping way less than your grandparents. You are working longer hours than those in the workforce in the 60s, which when we were predicting that we were going to go to a four-day work week, they just didn't tell us that it would be 24 hours of of work in the day. Um, The average office worker in America currently has stacked on their desk 36 hours of work. And it takes three hours a week to sort through all that to find what we need to do that Week. We spend eight months of our lives opening junk mail, two years of our lives playing phone tag with people who are too busy to return our calls, five years waiting for people who are trying to do too much and are perpetually late for the meetings with us. Uh, we are a piled on, stretched to the limit people and culture. Uh, we are chronically rushed, we're chronically late, we're chronically exhausted. Uh, We might feel like Job did in the third chapter of the book by his name, verse 26, where he said, I have no peace, I have no quiet, I have no rest, and trouble keeps coming. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, Job. We we live in in a constant state of overload. I mean, one writer said it this way. Overload is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdresser because you were 10 minutes late dropping the children off at school because the car ran out of gas two blocks from a gas station and you forgot your purse. He goes on to say, overload is the baby crying and the phone ringing at the same time. Overload is not having time to finish the book you're reading on stress. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, you get the point, you got the point before I started this, but how would you like to have instead, I think there are four bullet points on your note sheet that say benefits, this is really one sentence, so if you get it, good luck. How would you like to have really instead peace of mind, better health, great relationships, great marriages, kids, friends, how would you like to have that? How would you like to be more available to God? Seriously more available to do what God says when He wants you to do it through a day and live that kind of adventure. This would be the benefit of reducing overload in our lives. And and there is good news. It is possible. You, You can. God intends for you to live this way with peace of mind, better health, better relationships, and availability for his use. You can have that by reducing the overload in your lives. Now, I'm sort of going to telegraph the punch a little bit here, and then I'm going to I'm going to tell you four actions, describe four actions, unpack four actions that the scriptures speak of that will enable you and me to reduce overload in our lives. But truth of the matter is you don't need me to tell you. If we took just a minute and did a little brainstorming, you would realize you already know these things. You already know these things. Knowing what to do is not the problem. We're going to get to the problem in about 20 minutes. But let's, let's see what the Bible says about this. You can reduce overload in your life by taking four actions. Ready? Here's the first one. The first one is accept limits. 
Except limits. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 96, I have learned that everything has limits. I have learned that everything has limits. Now, uh, we, we are in a, uh, in a culture that says you can be all you want to be, do all you want to do. I mean, I saw some guys tweet this morning that said, dream the impossible, then do the impossible. I'm like, right. That's after I'd studied for this sermon. There, there, there's a reason that some things are impossible. It's like they're impossible. There are limits. There are limits. Now, is it true that we, we might possibly have more capacity for good and for living than we are tapping? Sure. That's not what I'm talking about here. We tend to think that we can exceed human limits, uh, but we cannot. God did not design us to exceed the human limits that he gave us. For example, we have physical limits. We have mental limits. We have a certain mental capacity. We have emotional limits. We have financial limits. We have limits on our time. We have uh, limitations. We have limits on our space where we can be at any given time. We are not omnipresent like God. We are not all-knowing like God. We are not all-powerful like God. We are human beings. And uh, the, the psalmist also says that God knows this. That God knows we're just humans, mere humans. He says we're dust He knows these weaknesses. We tend, when it comes to packing our lives, overloading our lives, we tend to act as if we don't know this. Um, Job said it this way, Our time is limited. You, God, have given us only so many months to live and have set limits we cannot go Beyond Now, some of you who are Christians are saying something like this. Yeah, pastor, but you know, my life verse is that verse out of Philippians chapter 4 that says, yeah, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It does say that, but you're probably taking it out of context. You can't make the Bible mean what it doesn't mean. You know, the Bible means what it means. That's a big one. Write that down. <clears throat> The Bible means what it means. Uh, This does not mean that you have no human limits, that you can exceed human limitations. For example, can you fly on your own power? We got a few pilots in here that said, buddy, I (laughs) can't. I know, I know, I know. Not that, not that. Um, No, you cannot. God never intended for you to exceed the human limits that he initiated for our own good, for our own uh, well-being. This verse does not mean I can keep taking on more and more responsibility. I can keep taking on more and more debt. I can keep adding more things to my schedule, taking on more stress. I can handle more difficulties, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on, because I can do... No, that's not what that verse means. That is not what that means. It is a misuse of the passage. So we might be saying it would really be nice if God would give me a, a warning signal when I'm about to hit my limits, would, wouldn't it? Well, he has. Write this down. It's spelled P-A-I-N. Pain. It's pa- pain. It pain. Fatigue. Irritability. Loss of joy. Uh, when, you, when we get there... We are living somewhere God never intended for us 
to be. Those are God's warning signals to back it up. We need to reduce the overload in our life. So the first action to take to reduce overload is accept limits. Second one is this, expect problems. Expect problems. Now this is why we need breathing room in the first place. This is why we need margin in our lives in the first place is because we have had, we currently have, and we are going to have unexpected problems in our lives. They're going to, going to come. Now, if you think you can have everything planned out um, and everything in your life go as you have planned, you might want to go ahead and just check in the hospital now because you are really going to be frustrated uh, if you act like a problem should or will never occur. Um, now, you, so things don't go as planned. I mean, I can hardly get an hour of my life to go like I originally planned. Now, some of you might be saying, Pastor, are you saying that we shouldn't plan? Because it sounds like what you just said to me. No, that is not what I'm saying. In fact, the Bible says very clearly that we are to plan. We are to make prayerful, wise plan. Best we can ascertain God's preferred future for our lives. We're to, we're to order life around that and, and commit our plans to the Lord and ask Him to make our path straight. We're, we're to do that. We're to do that. It's a good, good thing. But He says there are going to be problems in life and there are going to be things that with your human limits you cannot and will not foresee. Just don't be surprised by that. Don't be Surprise, Jesus said it this way in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Say that with me out loud. Ready? Here we go. In this world, you will have trouble. Circle the word trouble and write problems, hard times, unexpected difficulties. They are going to come. So the wisdom of the Bible can be summed up this way. Hope for the best and plan for the worst. Expect problems. Uh, there's a time that my family experienced this. When our girls were still little girls, we took an extended vacation, and I had this great idea. I said, hey, 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 let's do one of those. Let's not plan, get in the car, and see where we end up kind of vacations. You know, it sounds serendipitous, sounds so freeing, sounds so refreshing, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And so we did. Uh, we, we got in the car and said, we've always wanted to visit some friends in New Orleans. So we took off to New Orleans and stayed there a little bit and went to Baton Rouge and visited some family there. And then we drove to Dallas-Fort Worth and reconnected with people out there for about a week. And then we drove to Amarillo and ate barbecue and played around with the cowboys in the panhandle a little bit. And then we went to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And that was odd. Anybody ever been to Santa Fe and spent any time in the artist community out there? Yeah, boy. I learned about auras and, and all kind of new age stuff. Uh, really fun, though. And then so we left there and went to Durango, Colorado and rode, rode the little narrow gauge railroad up you know, in the mountains and had a lot of fun and said, let's go to Colorado Springs. Went to Colorado Springs, spent a few days, drove up to Estes Park and then Rocky Mountain National uh, Park. I remember the afternoon we were on the top, what's that drive, way up tip top of Rocky Mountain National uh, park where there's the, the guest center up there. I mean, you were way up there and you're looking off both sides. And we said, okay, let's time to leave here. Let's go to Cheyenne, Wyoming. And so we were going to, we drove down off the mountains and headed north out of Colorado. And I said, we'll just, we'll find a, we'll find a hotel somewhere up the road. 
And so we got into Cheyenne and then turned east on I-80. We're going to check out Nebraska a little bit. And it was supper time then. So I said, there's the hotel. We pulled off no rooms and went down to the next exit, a couple of hotels there, no rooms. Fourth stop, the guy said, uh, uh, Mr. Moore, you don't have reservations? I said, no, I'm out looking. There's nothing. You can't see anything but these hotels. There's planes. There's nothing out there. People all, I said, where are all these people coming from? He said, it's rodeo season. I said, oh, yeah, we have that all the time in Atlanta. <laughs> What's that? He said, oh, man, you're not going to. there." Well, f- found out there, there was not one room available between Cheyenne, Wyoming, and West Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> and so the, all of a sudden, that serendipitous Free 60s, so 60-ish like vacation turned into a problem. It's just not near as much fun to be serendipitous at 3 in the morning on the plains in Nebraska and everybody else asleep, nobody to talk to, can't get a radio station, no coffee to drink. So it was a problem. I didn't foresee that problem. I wish I had seen this verse in Proverbs 22, 3. It says, a prudent person foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them. The simpleton, there we go. As a God word, he says it right there. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Well, you know, I, I thought everything would go smoothly. Well, it didn't. I wish I'd seen that verse ahead of time. So, to reduce overload in our lives... Two actions, accept limits, expect problems. Here's the third one, jot it down, schedule downtime. Schedule downtime. You see, you can't hope space into your schedule. You can't pray space into your schedule. You can't depend on anyone else to insert space in your calendar. You have to decide. You have to do it. You have to make it happen. You have to put space in the calendar, in the schedule, schedule downtime. You have to decide to build buffer zones into your life. And this means you leave, you get comfortable leaving empty spaces in your calendar daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually, that there's space in there. Now, when I pulled up in the parking lot today in my truck, I, on purpose because I knew I was going to give this illustration. I pulled into a space and there was somebody in the opposite space. And so I pulled in and I I got up pretty close to them, got out and I checked and I've got about three inches between the front bumper of my truck and the rear bumper of their automobile. And you know what? That's completely sufficient, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's not a trick question. I mean, sitting still. (laughs) That's enough, isn't it? I mean, they're sitting still. They're not moving. Three inches is fine, right? Right. Of course it is. Of course it is. We're not moving. But the minute we begin moving, I'm going to want a little more space. And especially if we're like on I-85 headed to LaGrange and we ramp it on up to about 70 miles an hour, I I personally like a little more than three inches between me and the car in front of you. Now, I've ridden with some of you and you don't care. (laughs) And it, you know, that's, it increases my prayer life to ride with some of you. But, but we, the faster the automobiles travel, the more space we need between them. Many of you have lives that are radically overloaded and they're moving at a rapid pace and you have no space. 
And the faster you go and the more responsibilities you have, you, you need more space inserted or downtime in your uh, calendar. See, the Bible tells us very clearly if we don't allow space into our schedule, in other words, if we, if we just pack the work in, just right on work, 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 everything's right on top of another, that we are not wise. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 10 15 out of the Good News Bible. It says, Only some, God says this, only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. Uh, it reminds me of one of our businessmen who came home about supper time one evening and had his briefcase with him bringing work home from the office and his uh, daughter was in kindergarten at the time and she greeted him at the door and she said daddy what what's in your what is in your case in your briefcase she called it booth case I think is what she actually called it she couldn't say it plainly he said oh honey I had to bring some work home she said why do you bring work home from work he said well I just couldn't get it done I couldn't get it all done and I needed to bring it home to get it done she looked at him a second and said daddy I think they need to put you in a slower group. (laughs) You know, that's kind of the point of the sermon. let's, Let's raise it. We all need to be put in a slower group. We need to be put in a slower group. But we're the ones and the only ones who can put us there. And God says that's that's wise. Make a decision to put some space. In your schedule, schedule intentional downtime. So if we want to reduce overload, here here are the actions so far. Number one is accept limits. Number two is expect problems. Number three is schedule downtime. Now the the opposite side of the coin, opposite side of the same coin that we find on which we find schedule downtime is the fourth action, and it is this. It is actually what allows us to schedule downtime. It is prune activities. Prune activities periodically. Now on the screen, you're going to see some beautiful blossoms. Pete, those are peach blossoms. Uh, these are actually not the, the trees that are in our real life orchard, but within just a few days, they're going to look that full of, uh, of blossoms. Now, as I, as I talk to the men and women who serve on our ministry team in the real life orchard, they tell me that because we wanted to reap a harvest this year, to be able to give fruit away uh, to the people we serve uh, through the Real Life Center, that they needed to do something pretty radical to the trees, those beautiful young trees. They pruned limbs, not dead ones, live ones, live ones. Uh, and they did it in order to produce more fruit, greater productivity, gr- uh, better peaches for the plant's own good and for the future uh, fruitfulness of the, uh, the tree. They would say, no pruning, no fruit next season. Pruning needs to take place. And again, they did not go cut the dead wood. I mean, they took anything that was dead off. But we took live branches off those trees. Same thing's true in our life. Each year, we have a tendency to add activity branches to our lives. I mean, there are the constant demands. The kids are asking for this, or the neighbors are asking for this, or, or you know, the, the community's asking for this, or the church is asking for this. I mean, there, there's all kind of opportunity for activities, most of them good. 
at least good. I mean, it's obvious to see the things that don't really matter. I mean, that's a little easier to pick out, but good things. We must periodically, systematically prune activity from our lives uh, if we're going to stay healthy. And, you, and sometimes we're pruning things that we like and that are still good things, but we do it for the better. We do it for the better. We do it to reduce unhealthy overload in our lives. We can do less and have more is the way God seems to make it uh, work. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, we find the words of the Apostle Paul uh, speaking, inspired by God's Spirit, to the Christians in the church at Corinth. And he says this, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is beneficial. Now what he's saying here is this, God created human beings with free will. We can choose. I mean, we can choose to disobey Him, but we can also choose to take things that are permissible and overdo it. He's saying here, you can go out and overload your schedule ten times over and God is not going to stop you. You're permitted to make a total wreck of your schedule. I'm permitted to make a total wreck of my schedule, but that does not mean it's the beneficial thing to do. He said, all things are, these are, benef- all things are permissible, but this is not wise. This is not beneficial. Learn to say no. Begin to pray, God, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? And with whom and when? And what are the things that you would prefer that I prune from my life? You, you show me what and show me how uh, and what those things are. Now, we need to ask uh, ourselves a question. Now, those four things I just told you, accept limits, expect problems, Schedule downtime, prune activities, that's nothing new, is it? I mean, you, you could come up with that plan on your own without ever seeking God's counsel. It is God's counsel, but you probably know those things. That's not our problem. Our problem, first of all, is we need to ask ourselves, why is it that I keep overloading my life? Why is it that I keep pursuing more and more activity, more and more responsibility, more and more, uh, acquire more and more possessions and money to manage. Uh, Why do I keep packing my life and overloading my life? What's driving me to do that? Because something is. And here's what it is. We are looking, we're still looking for something to cleanse our life and beautify our life. We want our life to be clean and good. We want our life to be a beautiful life, a happy life, a full life. We want a meaningful life. I mean, we've wrote it into the Constitution of the United States of America, the pursuit of happiness. We, we want to be happy. We want to be fulfilled. We want, we want it to be good. But we're looking in the wrong places. We're looking for the wrong things to bring cleansing and beauty to our lives. The the Apostle Paul says the only benefit to realizing or or having an overloaded life is that it teaches us to do the thing that matters. You ready? Now here's the big one. It's trust God. Trust God. Jot this down. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul is describing this scenario. And here's what he says. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, God can do what you can't do. God can do in 20 minutes what you can't do in 20 years. What I can't do in uh, 20 years. We need Him. And we need Him in order to have the power, the motivation, and the ability to live this way. You already knew how to live. The problem was implementing the plan. We find ourselves powerless to do what God says do. God gives us these instructions in His Word not to beat us over the head and say, you ought to do better. He gives us these things to remind us again that we can't do it. We can't be the people on our own that God intended for us to be, even that we want to be. We can't do the things and live the way God intended us to do and live even if we want to. We don't have the power. We need outside help. It reminds us that we are weak, sinful people in need of a Savior. For those of you who are not yet believers, followers of Christ, it, it's the reminder that, okay, I can't, I can't do it. I can't live a self-directed life and it turn out the way it's supposed to turn out. I need Jesus. There's a sin problem. There's something in my heart that's keeping me from God and His presence and power. For those of you who are already believers, this is that part where we, we start right, we become Christians by faith, but then we try to complete our lives and enrich our lives in our own effort. Uh, work harder and be better and do... Uh, and, we, and we forget that cleansing and beauty comes to life through the gospel of Jesus, of remembering that there was a God and is a God who has us on his mind. He thinks about us all the time. He can't get us off his mind. And he loved you and me so much that he stepped out of heaven, came to earth, even though we were sinners, shaking our fist in the face of God in rebellion against God, living at odds with God, actually being an enemy of God. And while we were doing that, he loved us so much that he came and paid the price for our sin himself took on the form of a man loving us, living a sinless life, showing us who he is and what God's like, and went to the cross and made appropriate payment for all of our sin, atoned for our sin, substituting for us in our place and representing us, thereby breaking the power and the penalty of sin over our lives. And then he rose from the dead proving that he could do it, that he was who he said he was and that he could do what he said he would do and offers to you and me... If we will trust Him, put our active trust in Him, not just to begin, but daily to continue, He would adopt us as His child. He would reconcile us to God. He would cleanse us from our sin. He would grant us uh, abundant and eternal life. He would give us His Holy Spirit to indwell us, uh, to guide us and to teach us and to empower us and to, again, turn us into the kind of person He wants us to be and enable us to do what He wants us to do. And, he did, and we didn't earn a bit of that. We don't deserve a bit of that. Remembering the gospel every day reminds us of this love that is so overwhelming that it causes us to want to love Him back. 
It makes us want to love him back. It, it motivates us and enables us. I know I say that phrase almost every week, but that's what it does. That's what the gospel does. It gives us the mo- motivation. Jesus gives us the motivation and he gives us the power through the gospel to be transformed, to be transformed. And why do we need all these other activities and all this stuff? We don't. What, we don't need that stuff to enrich our lives. When we, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have, we have Jesus. We have Jesus in our lives. We have Jesus with us. The God who is with us always, even to the end of the age. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. That's we have Jesus. That's why we, you know, got Jed up here singing. I'm trying to get him to loosen up a little bit to sing that song. You know, but I mean, sing that song. Yes, that's why we all felt it. Didn't you? Yeah. So we trust him. And we trust him to help us with our stinking thinking and pursuing the wrong things and overloading our lives. Instead, turn to him. For the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension and the power to love him and love people and have healthy relationships and the ability to to do what matters and what doesn't so that we're available to God and relieve the stress in our lives so that we have better physical and emotional health. He, He does all that. We have Jesus and he does that. So we're going to pray for that now. I told you last week what we were doing, that we're, we're changing our worship culture. Now, we've got about 15 minutes left in the service, so no rush, no rush. But we're going to pray the most fundamental act of worship we're going to pray. Some of you will, will want to pray where you're seated, but um, the Bible tells us that we are to pray for one another. Pray for one another. Pray for one another, especially when we're in challenges or in the grip of of habits or lifestyles or even sinful things that we can't break. Uh, The Bible says, well, pray for one another so that you may be healed, so that you may be set free from those things. So we're, we're creating the culture in our worship services where we take time to pray for and be prayed for. And so we're going to do it again today. Our our pastors and our ministers and our elders and members of our prayer team, men and women, uh, are going to be standing across the front here. You guys come ahead and take your place if you're here. Especially if some of our ladies who are group leaders, uh, would you come? Uh, Those ladies who are comfortable praying for people, we've discovered we have a bunch of ugly men up here and the ladies may not want to come to him. You pray for me. So does that make sense? Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. We got any ladies that are comfortable praying with ladies. It's not a big deal. Where are you? There you go. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Tracy. Ladies, you may want to come to them. Here's the deal. The music's going to play. And if you find yourself, if you would say, I'm overloaded again, and I need God's help, and you just come to one of these prayer partners and just say, would you, would you pray for me? Just, you don't have to give the details. I'm overloaded. It might be physically. It might be in time. It might be financially. Uh, it may be emotionally. It may be in your, again, your schedule or your money or your relationships. I need help reducing the overload in my life. Pray for me and we'll do that. Okay. Lord, I pray now that you would 
Meet with us in this time as we pray with and for each other. Um, Draw near to us and set us free. Amen. Now you come. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.